Good morning, Olive Free Church. How are we? Very good. Fantastic. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Sia, and I'm one of the pastors here at church. I'm going to be continuing our series on the book of Daniel, and I'm excited to preach this morning. Um, If you're here for the first time, well done for being brave, and if you're watching for the first time, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to jump right in because there's quite a bit of elements to this morning's service because we're going to have communion at the end as well. Um, So I'm going to read for us and I'm going to pray and we're going to attack this message quite swiftly. Daniel chapter 3 verse 13. It says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you did not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you are, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace." Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can take a moment in our lives just to um, set aside for you, have a glance, a look at your word, just to hear what truth we can pull from it. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me and you would speak to us. Then when we hear what we need to hear, we leave here changed, different Um, with a greater revelation of who our God is. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. So I have very aptly titled my message this morning, Even If, Even If. So the context of this portion of scripture that I'm reading for us this morning is that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had built up a 60-foot statue of himself and summoned all of the people in Babylon to come and bow down to him when they hear the music playing. Now, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, since they've been taken out of uh, Judah into uh, Babylon, they'd been somewhat separate, holy, shall we say, not even because of their own doing or their own goodness, but because they grew up as Hebrew boys, familiar with the law, familiar with God. So they were consecrating themselves. At a certain point, they refused to eat the food that the king said they, that they should eat, and they went in a fast, and thus arise the Daniel fast, which is an odd thing. But anyway, we'll get into that another time. Um, but uh, they now reach a point where they refuse to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar, no matter what the consequences are. So they said the statement, even if. Now, I refuse to believe that most of us in this room, if not everyone in this room, hasn't said that statement at some point in their lives. If not as often as every single day. Even if you do take away my pocket money, I'm still going to make a way to get some food. Even if you do 
say something nasty to me, I'm still not going to give you what you want. Even if you do give me this ticket, Mr. Patrol Officer, I'm still not going to renew my disc. Kidding. <laughs> renew your disc, guys. <laughs> so I remember when I was in primary school, grade 7, uh, and if you don't know if you remember, but I was a menace in grade 7. Like, I, I don't know if you guys, would, I was an absolute menace in grade 7. But there was a certain moment where I was overcome with some sense of righteousness. Um, there was a friend, of, not a friend, a classmate of mine. His name was Bruce. Now, I know what you're thinking, but no, Bruce was, in fact, black. Um, I don't know how we got to that point, but I'm pretty sure his parents maybe watched a lot of Bruce Lee movies. Um, but Bruce was a relatively short dude, so obviously there's a, there was this thing within him that he has to prove himself more than the average person. So the one day, I see him bullying this grade four, grade five kid. They were about the same height. So that's why, like, he felt the need to assert his authority in some form of manner. So he was bullying this kid. So then I said, so at that point, I was like, hey, bruh, I'm not going to do that. So then I kind of, I can't remember if I shoved him off the kid or if I kind of just got in between the two of them. So then he says, uh, don't ever, don't speak to me like that. I'm going to call my brother. His brother was in high school at the time. Uh, and I said, Eve in Zulu, obviously, even if you call your brother, you are not going to bully this boy. Come end of the day, I don't even know how he messaged his brother. I don't know how his brother knew. I don't know, hey, there was a horde of like maybe eight to ten boys waiting for me outside of school. So then his brother's like, hey, I'm hearing that you're bullying my little brother. I'm like, well, he was bullying a little kid. He was like, he's talking some smack. I, no, I was a menace. I had a little bit of an ego. So I was like, hey, bro, if, if we have to fight right now, we can fight. Even if I take an L, I'm not going to bow down. So even if you guys destroy me on this pavement, I just felt this overwhelming sense of stand up for this kid, even if it costs me my reputation. Because I was a bit of a bully in grade 7. Um, even if it costs me my reputation. So he issues his threats, but I could tell he was scared. The fact that you came with so many boys says a lot about you. There's one of me, and I'm 13 years old. So he issues his threats, walks off, and then now on my way home, they had congregated on the corner of the street, and then he says, he says some stuff again, and I say again, bruh, even if that is the case, I've told you, I'm not going to let him bully this boy. Here we read a portion of scripture where three young men, probably about the age of 17, or just about 17, less under the age of 20, say this to a king who has every right to destroy them, even if you throw us into the furnace, you throw us into the fire, we will not serve your God. We want you to know that. Now, if you don't know the context of this book, they were taken out of Judah. They are slaves in a foreign land. Today's context, a Christian in the world. Taken out of a foreign, but they are not willing to compromise on their values. They are not willing to bow down to the order of the land. They are not willing to go with the flow, as I suspect some of us, if not most of us, can often do. That when we are together, congregated in this building, we have a far greater sense of, I will shine my light. But as soon as we step out into the world, Tom, can you just dim the lights? I will dim the lights. Just so they don't know that I'm a Christian. Just so they don't look at me differently. Just so we don't have the debates, just so we don't have the conversations. Oh, how can you say this when your God let this thing happen? 
I want to dim my light just so I can just squeak on by without them knowing that I am the light of the world. They were not willing to compromise on this value, on their belief system, on their God. But I wonder how many of us outside of this building stand tall with our chests held high. Thanks, Tom. Now, this isn't a message of how to have debates with non-Christians or people that have different beliefs. I don't really care about that. I don't think we as Christians have the grace and wisdom to have those conversations well. We don't listen well, clearly. This is a conversation, a message about communion and community. Look to your neighbor and say, communion and community. To be able to get to the point of standing up to this king, we've got to ask the question, where do these boys get this bravado, this bravery, this courage? Because they're little boys. One might imagine that at that age, it's so much easier to just be under the radar. Don't let them notice you. Don't let them see you. Don't let them shine a torch on you. Because just now, when they see you think and believe and do things differently, then you'll get segregated, you'll get ridiculed, you'll get etc. You'll get killed. See, we don't, we don't often think about how people get to the big moment of, I'm standing up for God. But if you read the context and story and history of the Bible, almost every single character, person, goes through some level of refining, some level of forging in their own internal fire before they ever step into an external one. Goes to their own level of, this is who I am, this is what I believe, this is what I actually want to do in these certain situations and circumstances. Because they were taken out of Judah, put into a foreign land, as slaves. Now, at that point, you could just be like, okay, you know what? To heck with God. I'm just going to do what's done just so I don't stand out, just so I don't have a light shone on me. But no, they don't. They don't compromise on their belief system. They stand. They refuse to eat and drink the king's food, so they have vegetables. And they come out on the end of that far better looking in appearance than those that do eat the king's food. Now, it's like two chapters prior, and led, that lands us to this moment. One might say that's their practicing ground. You were taken out of, a, out of what you are familiar with, what, you, what is normal, what seems easy to do, and placed in an environment that it seems difficult to be what you're called to be. What do you do? Do you... Go under the radar? Do you stand tall? Because these moments shape faith. Because there will come the big moment now when you have to stand against the king, when you have to stand against an idol that is created, when you're standing against something that opposes what you believe. The faith practices that came before this moment give you courage to stand in this moment. Because you've got to Check out their understanding of who God is. Enough to say, the God that we serve can deliver us from the furnace. As a matter of fact, it's not that he's able. He will deliver us from this furnace. If he doesn't, even if he does not, 
we will not bow down to your gods and this idol. That's a statement of faith. Nothing to do with how good they were. Everything to do with how good their God was to them. I believe to get to that point is because of how they took communion with God and how they stayed in community together. Because see, they are never mentioned apart from each other. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Read the whole book of Daniel. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They are the three amigos. It's a three-for-one special. <laughs> the funny thing is, when a two-for-one special, when uh, we started dating, my friends and I, we were single for a very long time, and then we started dating. So we told our girlfriends, if you date me, you, you get the whole package deal. My friends come with me. Because um, we were always just so tight. We were always together. We weren't willing to compromise on our time together. Saturdays are for the boys. <laughs> um, but now I have some questions to ask us this morning, friends. Because see, if we ever want to get to a point of standing publicly for Jesus, we need to learn to sit privately with him and sit well. So how do you commune with Jesus? If you think of the moment of communion, the disciples are around the table. He was speaking. They were listening. At a certain point, he gets up and washes their feet. He serves you where you are. I think for most of us, our communion with Jesus, I need, I want, won't you. And those things are not bad. But I do believe that they're secondary to just sitting and listening to what he has to say. Because if all we ever do in our time with God is ask, we are not giving him the room to shape our identity. Because if you don't let your savior shape your identity, the world doesn't need your permission to tell you so. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, those weren't their born names they were given at birth. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those are their real names. But Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were given when they got to Babylon. Names that speak of the character of this God of, of Baal, 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 something like that. So now we have to ask the question, the label was placed on them. Did they place it on themselves? Were they referring to each other as, hey, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, or was it still Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah? Because they were so good at communing with their father, communing with God, communing with Jesus, that no matter what label the world placed on them, they never placed that label on themselves. Because you and I can be here this morning, Christians saved loud and proud, but that word that person spoke to you 75 years ago, for most, <laughs> I'm joking, no one's that old, yeah. That word the person spoke over you or to you when you were five still rings in your ear. I'm saved, but I'm also a failure. I'm saved, but I still struggle with doubt. I'm saved, but I actually just can't navigate this addiction. I'm saved, but all because of an identity that was spoken and labeled over you. 
communing with Jesus gives us the fortitude, the power, the strength to break those chains off. Commune with Jesus. Commune with your Father. And when I say commune, I mean learn to sit with him. Learn to sit in his presence and listen to what he has to say. When you and I get into the rhythm of doing this well, asks almost seem irrelevant or unnecessary because he already knows. We ask because it's just nice, good, healthy, open-ended conversation. But I'm allowing him to shape so much of my identity that when the world tries to say this, I say, even if you say that, I'm not going to bow down. Even if you call me failure, I am not going to surrender my identity. Even if you say that I will not make it, I know a God who can make a a river in the desert. Jesus himself says that you are the light of the world. You are, not you will be, not you sometimes are. You are. So that means that everywhere you go, you shine your light. Our light is nice in bright places, but it matters most in the darkest holes. Outside of these walls, there's some pretty dark darkness that needs your light. But if we don't commune with our Savior well enough, we won't know what lay within us, and that will wither away over time. As we surrender who we are to the label the world places over us, all because we don't know who we are. Communing with Jesus shapes our identity. And that builds our faith to stand. To stand and never bow, even if the consequence is death. So that's one. Point number one is communion. Commune, commune, commune. So now we could, we could possibly go, okay, cool. I've communed with Jesus. I know who I am. And now I've stood. The situation should change. Wrong. You could stand for Jesus, and it gets worse. Because no King Nebuchadnezzar, right? He's like, how could you say that to me? Make the fire seven times hotter. At that point, we're like, okay, I was just joking, King Nebuchadnezzar. I'll bow. For most of us, we might actually, okay, 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 okay. But they don't. This is what they say, verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was, uh, was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. Prior to this, it accrued quite a bit of favor because they're just so wise, far beyond their, their age. Just. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing those robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace was so hot that the flames 
of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Now, I want you to insert yourself into that story. Imagine that was you. You, you made a stand for God. You've made the point, I'm never going to bow, even if it leads to death. People tie you up. So the strongest men, obviously those uh, ropes were tied pretty tight just to make an exclamation point and then hurl into a furnace. What do you begin to think at that moment? Dang it, I should have bowed. Or even if. Or I'm glad I'm in this furnace with my mates. What must run through their minds in those moments? I think getting to the point of being able to say even if becomes far easier because we are better together. So, hey, if I'm getting burnt, getting burnt with my dudes, who are your five? Who are your three? Jim Ron says that we are the sum average of the five people that we spend the most amount of time with. Because we might stand and it just gets worse, but at least I'm not alone. I might be uncompromising with my belief in Jesus. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, that's okay. But I do, and therefore I won't lie. I won't steal. Even if it costs me my job, I'll stand. Even if it costs me some friends, I'll stand. Even if it costs me some family, I'll stand. Even if I'll stand. But standing becomes so much easier because we don't stand alone. Who are the people that are around you? Because when we commune, we should have some community to stand with us. We need some community to stand with us. I love my mates. And that joke I said earlier was actually quite true. In the moments that mattered most, they were there. Jesus himself says that in this world, you will face trouble. But man, I can navigate trouble so much easier when I'm not by myself. When it becomes hard to hold on to faith, I can lean on a mate. When it becomes difficult to stand, I can lean on a mate. When it becomes difficult to have faith, I can lean on a friend. Communion and community matters. More than us having all these theological debates with people that don't believe in Jesus or don't really actually even lead to people's conversion, can we stand for what we believe in, even if they don't choose to believe in that with us? Not fighting, not at war, but just unapologetically who we are. I made this demonstration a couple of last year, and I'm going to make it again. Uh, Tim, Steve, and Seth, please, can I borrow you guys? 
The Bible says, do not be fooled, my good friends. Bad company corrupts good character. Let's just say now, Tim, oh, you guys can face me. They can just watch. Stand next to each other. <laughs> Let's just say now, for example, that Tim, absolutely secure, communes with God, has a great community. Steve, great dude, communes with God, great community. But Seth, communes with God part-time. He may bend one knee. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> but let's just say that Seth is like, ah, you know, I'm going to go with the flow kind of dude. Now, bind up like you're about to go into a scrum. Okay, we have two nice, really strong, secure community members. And then you have the one who is not quite so strong. Now, when circumstances begin to come their way, season, there's a king that says, hey, you all better bow right now. Tim can stand firm because he is secure. Steve stands firm because they commune and they're together. But now when it gets to Seth, Seth tries to stand firm. It doesn't go that way. But now because they're linked together, this whole thing begins to fall apart. Seth is going to pull, pull back Steve. We're going to pull back Tim. Okay. <laughs> I'm not supposed to stand strong here, Tim. Make me look stronger. <laughs> well, now let's just imagine that Seth was just as secure, just as strong, and they chose each other well. When the king says, bow, Tim says, no. The king says, bow, Steve says, no. The king says, bow, Seth says, no. These three people are going nowhere all because they chose community well. They're some average, very secure, very strong, because they commune with the Father and stand together. Thanks, fellas. Ellen, you can come up, bud. When you and I get to do this and do it well, I think more than it necessarily changing the nature of the circumstance or life getting better, people's hearts can get changed, all because we were uncompromising with the thing that we chose to believe and the person we chose to believe in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's names Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. I find it so interesting that whenever they're referred to in the Bible, they are always referred to in that order. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why not Abednego go first? So if we say this in their original names, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, respectively, their names mean God is gracious. God is gracious. Imagine hearing your name every single time you think that is a characteristic of who God is. God is gracious. Oh, Michelle, who is like God? Not because this is something that they haven't seen. They've witnessed this for themselves. So when they hear their names, they actually think, who is like God? He is gracious and there is none like him. 
And Azariah means God has helped. In the past tense, which means he is faithful. God is gracious. There is none like him. And he has helped. Even in this current circumstance that we're facing and looking at, he has already helped. But even if he doesn't. I don't think they said that because they're like, okay, God may not. No, they believe that God will. It's a statement of faith. And because of their faith, the story doesn't end with them just being tossed in the furnace and scorching and burning to a hot crisp. It carries on to say this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we had tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, Your Majesty. He said, Look, I see, a f- I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth man looks like the Son of God. When you and I stand for what we believe in, people don't just see us standing, they see Jesus with us. He says that He will never leave nor forsake you. Do we believe enough to stand for what we believe in? To not compromise on how we commune with Him. Not compromise on the people that we have around us. Because times will come. Waters will try and wash over you. A fire will try and burn you. But if you and I believe that not only can God help, but He will help. And even if He doesn't, even if He doesn't, we will not bow for when we don't people don't see our goodness they see Jesus Isaiah 43 verse 2 says this when you pass through the waters I will be with you and when you pass through the rivers they will not sweep over you when you walk Through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Tell me that doesn't do something to your spirit, friends. That he is always with you. That when you're in the fire with your friends, he is there with you. And the things that had you bound burn off of you. The things that had you chained burned off of you. The people that threw you into, into the fire, they burn, you don't. Stand firm. Matthew says, stand firm and you will be saved. This is a message not to go fight people because they don't believe in Jesus. We don't need to defend ourselves before anybody. But we do need to make a decision not to bow to their idols to their kings to their gods because we believe there is only one God so stand firm friends commune with God well and make sure you choose the right people to stand next to you and when you do he'll be with you in the fire And people won't see your goodness. They'll see your Jesus standing next to you, walking in the fire. 
Amen? Hey, won't you stand? We want to take up communion now in this moment. But I'm going to do it somewhat differently to what we know or have done before. Can I have a communion pack somewhere, please? Mark to the rescue. Thanks, brother. You can begin to peel off the plastic at the top. Now, if you're here for the first time and you're not a Christian and you don't believe what we believe, this makes no sense for you to do, so just chill. But if you're a Christian this morning and online, please go grab some bread and some grape juice, N01 and a Sunday. When you grab of this wafer, here's what you're grabbing the body of Christ that was broken for you. He was broken so that you, friends, we, friends, might be blessed. That by his stripes we will see healing. So grab this thinking about a person, if not yourself, that needs Christ's breakthrough in this moment. Pour your heart out, open yourself to hear what he has to say to you. But don't just whoosh, chuck it in and chug and that's it. Be present in this moment. Let's eat together. second tier. Just be careful not to mess on yourself. This part represents the blood of Christ that was spilled for you. See, for a new covenant to be established or for our covenant to be established, blood had to be spilled. So when you and I say that Jesus is our Savior, or we give our lives to Him, we enter into this new covenant, now no longer slaves, but now sons and daughters of a very present God. We are adopted into His family. His blood was spilled so that yours might never, ever have to be. There's an element of God is gracious to that. There is none like Him, and He has helped. So in your own words, you can just say your own thank you, God. Celebrate his goodness and love toward you. And when you're ready, have a drink. your eyes and pray with me. Father, we thank you that we can pause. Remember what your son came to do for us on the cross, the price that he had to pay, letting that sit deep into our souls, into our spirits. 
And I pray that you do a renewing work this morning, Father. Help us to leave here with a different sense of how to commune with you. Give us spiritual ears to hear what you have to say. Give us the courage to stand. And give us the wisdom to choose who to stand with. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 There's some uh, prayer afterwards if you are keen. Don't rush off tea and coffee.